I'm not gonna cry. I haven't been feeling real good this week, so uh, I'm getting a getting a crud. Whew. Have you ever uh, <clears throat> decided to do something and then you get to the the point when you're you're there and you're like, you know, I, I maybe should have rethought that just a little bit. Um, too late. So, good morning. Welcome to welcome to harvest. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna pray because normally I get to hide in the janitor's closet back here and, and pray, and then also go to the bathroom. So I'm going to get it going. I know there's food cooking. Uh, smells good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to, to share your word. Lord, what a privilege. Father, what a blessing that is uh, to me and uh, into the, the ears that hear God. And I, I do pray that you would give me the words to speak that it wouldn't be about me, that it would be all about you, God. And um, I just praise you, Lord. I pray that you would condition our hearts to receive your message. And um, I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so uh, we're in week three of uh, this this Christmas, the scandalous Christmas story. Um, and if you miss the first two weeks, um, I'll, I'll give you a brief recap. And, and you can certainly check that out online. Um, they, Harvest has a podcast app. Uh, that's how I how I listen online. So the the first scandal that we came across uh, was was how God and Brian, Pastor Brian talked about this, and it's it's how God used uh, Rahab, a prostitute, uh, to to further the kingdom of Israel, right? And ultimately, be, Jesus is a descendant of Rahab, and so he used this this sort of and and I and I do feel like maybe I need to back up just a touch and say that you know when we talk about scandalous. Um, you know, certainly we have uh, this view of what that is um, in terms of our own human understanding. And, and we would look at the story of Rahab and say, wow, that is pretty scandalous, a prostitute. And, and yet she was used in a profound way for the nation of Israel and ultimately in a profound way uh, to bring redemption to, to us. And, and that's what we're celebrating this time of year and, and certainly every Sunday that we come. Um, the second scandal uh, Joseph talked about last week, and, and that was the, the scandalous virgin birth, um, and, and he laid a, just a fantastic foundation for me. He took a lot of my stuff that I'm going to preach about today. Uh, we, we had a firm talk about that, but uh, <clears throat> of course he's a little bigger than I am, and you know, I said, hey, good job. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> so, but he, he also talked about the fact that, that Mary, he cleared up this confusion that, that Mary was sin. She, she, had, she knew sin. She was a sinner. She was not without stain or blemish, and, and, uh, and which I think is, is fantastic, and ultimately led to her absolute obedience to the Lord, which is vitally important. Um, <clears throat> I, I will uh, pull up the week one. Pastor Brian gave us a def- definition of scandalous, and so uh, we'll pull that up just to, just to review and, and also to kind of clarify where I'm headed I can I can just read it if that works. Okay, uh, so <clears throat> the the definition they gave us was uh, it's a morally shocking, indecent person. 
uh, thing or action or something that hurts uh, a person's reputation. And the, th- the part that I really want to key in on more so this week uh, would be the thing or action or something that would potentially hurt someone's reputation. And again, we have to view this through the context of, of just a human thought, not, not God, because it, certainly he sees the beginning from the end, and you know, his, his, uh, his understanding is, is far different than ours. And so that, that's important to, to, to make that distinction. Now, I will say this, that I'm going to take this scandalous, uh, it's going to be from a different approach, and it, and it really is going to take a little teasing out, um, and, and it's going to be far more subtle than, than the previous two. Uh, so let's pick up where Joseph left off. So the angel of the Lord comes to Mary, who is, is, is quite young. So uh, he says, hey, listen, I know you're quite young. I know you're engaged to be married, but hey, listen, you're going to be pregnant, and uh, it's going to not be with your soon-to-be husband. So great news. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I don't mean to be facetious. Uh, anyways. That's where Joseph left off. Um, and she ultimately responds uh, in Luke 1, 138. It says that, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So again, that's that obedience. That's that uncompromising obedience that, that she set forth to God. And that's fantastic. And, and there's much to be said about that. <clears throat> the, the angel also made it clear uh, to Mary, that her relative Elizabeth was pregnant, and she was in her sixth month of her pregnancy, which in its own right was absolutely a miracle as, as she was advanced in age. Uh, and at the time, uh, you know, a woman that was barren was looked down on big time. And so that, that was awesome. And I know, you know, Elizabeth was certainly rejoicing in that. Um, okay, so that's where we're at. Now, we know, uh, we're going to pick up in Luke 1, 39 through 40 here. Uh, and this is after 38, where uh, Mary says that, that I am the servant of the Lord. Uh, let it be to me according to your word. In verse 39, it says that in, the days, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea, or Judah. Uh, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So she finds this, this great news, and she goes in a haste. Now, we don't know why that is. I can only imagine, like, man, I got to get out of town. This is, I don't know how to process this. You know, am I really pregnant? And then that first trimester kicks in, and she's like, Bleh! you know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say that. Um, uh, now, I don't know if, if any of you wonder, but I tend to wonder, okay, through so this process, what's going on with Joseph? Right, I mean, we we don't. It doesn't tell us much about him during this this period of time, other than that they're they're engaged, they're ready to get married. Um, does anyone else wonder that? Okay, there are some. I see. I thought I was going to be the only one, so this is great because that's what we're going to talk about uh, a little more today. So during this period of time in history, marriage was a, a prearranged deal. This was set by the father of the groom and the father of the bride. They agreed on it, and, and the bride and groom did not have much say at all, if any, uh, during this. <clears throat> and the groom's father would have to pay a bride price called a morhar uh, in order to negotiate the betrothal. 
So there was a cost associated with just simply negotiating, setting the terms, and this and that. And then, of course, the groom would also have to provide the bride with a a gift, um, and that was called a matan. Okay, so the betrothal was a a formal engagement uh, to be married. It was a legally binding contract. Um, and, and to end that, the betrothal required a divorce. And then, of course, the, the consequences in the law that came with a divorce. So it, it was binding. Like, it was set in stone. This is, this is happening. Um, so it was a common custom for the bride to join the groom's father's household rather than for the bride and the groom to build their own. And, and a lot of that was just simply because of cost. And so that's what, that's in the, the, that time, that's what happened. If they had money, they could go build their own home. But more often than not, the, the young man would build onto his father's home or estate or whatever you might call it. <clears throat> now, I, I do want to be clear of, about something as I get into this. Um, The scripture doesn't tell us what Joseph is doing during this time. Um, And my intention is not to take any sort of liberty to adding to the story or anything like that, okay? Uh, But I I do want to paint a picture of just rooted in the the normal uh, sort of traditions of that time. So that, that's what I'm trying to do. And, and I just want, I, I feel like I need to, to say that because any of you that know me know that, that, that I'm a stickler about the Word of God. And, it, and it's complete and it's whole. And I don't mean to, to get off track, but I do want to be very clear um, about my intentions. Um, I, I love it. I love this. I love the Word of God. Anyway, <clears throat> Scripture's meant lacking nothing. So uh, if the bride and groom were of a marriageable age, uh, the groom would return to his father's home uh, to prepare a bridal chamber, okay? So if, so th- this process tr- traditionally took a year or more, and it was really dictated by uh, the father of the groom. Uh, so I'm sure he's footing the bill, and he's saying, hey, look here, bud, you need to do more with less, or, or whatever it might be. You know, no, you can't have the big screen. You don't need the big screen right now. That's good. Uh, just kidding. They didn't have TVs. I didn't know if you knew that, but. <laughs> okay, uh, so when the, the, when the process was complete, uh, the groom would return and fetch his bride. Uh, the bride would have no clue of the day or the time, okay? And this was led with a trumpet and a shout, okay? Does that sound familiar to anyone? Right, yeah, Jesus' parable about his return. I, I love it. You know, when you dig into that, you know, and again, this is a side note and it doesn't matter other than the process. So that's how it, how it goes. This guy goes and he takes a year or more, however long it takes to, to build this addition onto his, his father's home. And, and when it's done, he's going to get his bride. He's bringing her home. And, and she doesn't know when that's going to when, when take place. And when Jesus talks about the 10 virgins and keeping that lamp lit and all that stuff, He's talking about this process. He's taking a traditional norm in the day, and he's making it applicable to, to his return. I, I love that. And so he's using that as an illustration. He uses that parable to explain to people in a way that they would absolutely understand because this is how they did business uh, when it came to, to marriage. <clears throat> um, so, G- again, Jesus uses that as a parable. Now, 
you can, you can begin to imagine uh, all the time and energy that's going into building this, this, this home, ultimately, is what it would be, onto his father's uh, place. Um, we know uh, that Joseph was a car- carpenter, according to Matthew thirteen fifty five and Matthew, and I'm sorry, that was Matthew and Mark six three. Uh, we may assume also because of tradition that Joseph's father was a carpenter as well. We may we may assume that we would have to then assume that uh, if he was a carpenter, this is what they did. And this is how they made a living. And everybody's watching. Everybody's watching this thing go up. They, the reputation is, is out there. If this is what they do to make a living, then you can imagine that people have expectations, right? Is that, is that fair? I feel like that's, that's fair to say. Um, building this also would be very public. People would know, hey, what's going on? Are they, are they building a bigger family room or... Is that a place to, to lock their kids up so they can have some peace and quiet in the house? Is that, uh, we're talking about that. That's cool. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> um, not really. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. See, Nancy knows. <laughs> um, there would certainly be costs involved in this as well, right, in, in building this, this home. There had to have been sweat, right? It's the Middle East. It's, it's hot there, okay? Um, we're men. He's a man. We do dumb stuff. So you know there was blood involved. Um, <clears throat> and uh, his name's Joseph, so you know there was tears. I actually don't know if that Joseph cried. but <laughs> uh, Okay. So everyone had to know what was going on. Everyone. Everyone was aware of this addition. Oh, that's jo- Joseph. He, he's marrying Mary. Where the heck has Mary been? Um, and, and, you know, you can imagine, too, that, that Joseph, again, he's a man. He's thinking, you know what? I'm building this. I'm doing great work here. Um, man, Mary's going to really admire this craftsmanship, this, this time and energy that I'm, I'm putting into this, the little details and stuff. And we admit, we know that that's absolutely not true. But, but he might have thought that, like we like to think about that, um, He's thinking about that process as he's building this. Hey, this is going to be a home. This is where I'm bringing my bride to be. We're going to reside here. You know, we're going to do life together. And, and hopefully someday I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to raise my kids up and I'm going to love them well. And, you know, all those things that, that we aspire to be uh, in terms of family. And, and I don't mean um, like he's uh, thinking of... of like impressing Mary in the same way that I think I'm going to impress Megan when she goes to the trip to the store and returns. Because I'm thinking, well done, Mr. Douglas. The house is still standing. I know it's a wreck. It's still standing. The kids are in some form of clothing, and I only thought that I misplaced a child for a brief period of time. And she's thinking, it's a half hour, bud. What are you doing? But, so I don't mean in that way. I mean in the, in the way that's like he's, this man is building a home for them to unite, to, to, again, to do life together. Um, okay, <clears throat> so back to the lesson. So Mary's been gone. Uh, the, the scripture tells us that she was gone for three months. And she's been gone. Joseph's been working hard, preparing a home for him and his bride. Again, Mary is young. She's very young. And she's been gone for three months She's pregnant with a child that isn't her 
her husbands or soon-to-be husbands. And uh, here she comes back on the scene. In, in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 18, Gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, it, says that, it says this. Now the birth of, of Jesus Christ uh, took place in this way. Uh, when, his, when his mother Mary uh, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be uh, with child from the Holy Spirit. Uh, think about this for a moment. Mary shows up after three months. She's young. There is no hiding this. Uh, and this is, this is the time uh, when Joseph finds out, along with everyone else. With every, this is when he finds out. It's not, there's no, we're not told that there's any conversation between Mary and Joseph. We're not told that the spirit came to, or an angel came to Joseph and said, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. I need you to be prepared because when she shows up, she's going to have this, this belly and people are going to ask questions. It's not like that. It's not like that. That's not what we're told. She's gone for three months. She shows up. That's when he finds out. And they had not been together. So you have to imagine what's going on in this guy's mind. You have to imagine that, you know, he's, he's excited. He's building this, this home for him and his bride. And, you know, hey, Mary's in town. Mary's back. Yay, yay, yay. Oh, this is awesome. And she gets out of the cart or whatever, this big old bell. And he's like, what is this? What is going on? He has to be thinking about the cost, all the time and energy, all of those things that he's put into this home. He's got to be thinking about the bride price that his father paid. He's thinking about all the work and energy that he put into the mountain where he could, he's got to give her a gift too. He's thinking about that. He has to be thinking about... What is going on, uh, you know, with what people are saying and this and that? The text doesn't tell us, uh, but most scholars believe that, that Joseph, when it was in his late teens to at most his early 20s. So he's a young man. And, and life is in this way so routine, so steeped in tradition. These are not normal things. You know, we, Joseph talked a great deal about this last week that, you know, if, if Mary were pregnant today, we'd say, big deal, 13-year-old, eh. You know, that's, that's commonplace, and that's sad, and it's not right, okay? And, that, and that's the same thing here. This is not common. This is not, this is not something that, that people deal with um, at the time. So again, I, I think that the bottom had to have fallen out on this young man. Um, and I can only imagine what, what his friends and family were saying to him. What, what is the counsel that he's receiving in, the, in this period of time? Uh, gosh, I, pure devastation. I would have to imagine this bride, this person that, that you, you know, again, there's not potentially not a ton of interaction. We don't know, um, but certainly set to marry, set to wed. There is a commitment there that, that, that some can just not understand. Um, maybe some of them are... are uh, Recalling to, uh, to Joseph, uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 20, verse 10, it says, If a man commits adultery uh, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress surely <clears throat> shall surely be put to death. Or how about Deuteronomy uh, 22, verses 23 and 24? If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both to the, the gate of the city and 
and you shall stone them to death with stones. Or how about uh, Exodus 20.14, Leviticus 18.20, Deuteronomy 5.18, or Deuteronomy 22.22. They are in a legally binding contract with real uh, consequences. And we're talking about life here. Or maybe, or maybe, uh, he's thinking about what may, one of his ancestors, uh, King David, wrote in a psalm, Psalm 37, 37. It says, Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for their future, for there is a future for the man of peace. We need to remember that these are real people living real lives. And there's real emotion involved. I feel like we, we have this tendency to read scripture uh, in this manner that is devoid of that. We read it as if somehow there isn't a wrestling, right? I mean, we read that, that Mary said, yeah, hey, I'm your servant, let's do it. We don't know what's going on in her heart. And, and, and our jobs and responsibilities uh, as, a, as a preacher is to exegete, right? To, to draw out what's in the scripture rather than to, to put myself in there. So it's, you know, there is a tension there to say that, you know, if I were a 13-year-old girl, well, that would be weird, first of all. Second, you know, second of all, if I, if I were pregnant, I cannot imagine what was going on, what would be going on in my heart and in my mind and in, in the process of thinking, listen, if this gets out in a way that is sideways or if Joseph is a dirt bag, uh, I'm done for. I'm done. Uh, and, and maybe that's why she, she took off for three. Maybe not. I, I don't know. We, it doesn't say. Uh, now, in, I'm a, this, is, this is the, the bulk of the sermon. It's going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 1, 19 through 24. And we'll go ahead and, I'll go ahead and read that to you right now. It says this. Uh, and this, again, is after she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And, and picking up in verse 19, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear uh, to take Mary as your wife. Uh, for then, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Uh, she will bear a son, and you will call. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All this took place and was fulfilled what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, uh, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife. Uh, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. There is so much here to unpack. I, 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 I was telling Grady before, I, I feel I, we could spend two weeks, or we could spend a long time today if you want. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, so I'll, I'll just hit a couple things, all right? The first thing that we see uh, in verse 19 was that Joseph was a just man. He was a just man, and that's important. Uh, the, the Greek word there is daikaios, uh, uh, just, uh, especially just in the eyes of God. He was a righteous man, and that's important. 
right? Because we would, we would be foolish to think that, that uh, you know, he's going to have the spirit, this young girl pregnant by the spirit, and be with some dirt bag that's going to throw her out, right, or, or do something awful. So he's already made up his mind. He was just, and that's why he said, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. And that's, that's important because that does absolutely speak to the character of, of Joseph. But the unfolding of God's story of redemption is, is in the people that he chooses to use, right? Rahab, you and I. We have stories, right? We have things that we wish we could change in all of those things. Yet God chooses to use us to unfold that redemption story. That's fantastic. Now, the canon is closed. We're not adding to that. But we get to play a part and be those vessels. Okay. What we see is that, that Joseph was a kind, tender, and merciful man. That he was attached to Mary uh, and that was not willing that she should be exposed to public shame. He sought, therefore, to uh, secretly uh, dissolve that connection with a divorce. He, he, that was his resolve, is that, man, this stinks, and I don't understand it, and, and I'm just going to divorce her quietly. Though the law would dictate that, that he certainly had rights to do other things, to, to be awful and malicious and, and that. He had the, the rights to do that. And yet the type of man that he was wouldn't allow him to do that even in, in light of, of having that uh, ability. Now the angel of the Lord addresses, addresses Joseph, son of David. And in this, again, we could, we could really dive into this. That's important and, and that's on purpose. That's not some just thing in there. That, there's a reason. And yes, it's because he was, you know, in the line of, of David. Absolutely. But the angel addresses him in that way, uh, which again is interesting. Um, and it was on purpose. Joseph uh, was a just, righteous man. He was devoted to God, no doubt. Perhaps the angel was reminding him of where he came from. Listen, you are in the line of David Focus, focus. Recall your youth and the, thing, the way that you were brought up, the truth you were told, all of those things. Recall those things because they're important. Son of David. That's important because re they knew redemption for their nation would come through the line of David. They knew that. Uh, and so he addresses him in that way. And again, you know, the angel tells Joseph what is going on with Mary, right? He, he reveals, hey, listen, she is pregnant. And, and you know, it, it's by the Spirit of God. And it, this young man shall be uh, called Emmanuel, God with us. He is going to be salvation to the world. Now, if we look at um, verse 21. It says this, it says that she shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. I, I read this and, I, and I'm going to tell you, I got a little emotional. And, and, and you're looking at me like, what in the world, why? Well, let's recall, let's, let's back up just a touch, okay? Traditional norm says that Joseph was putting in work. He was working hard to build this home, 
to, that him and his bride were going to do life together with. She shows up after three months. She's pregnant. He knows he wasn't with her. That's not his. The pure devastation you could only imagine, right? Uh, and then, you know, again, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, listen, this is the deal. Uh, you should call him Jesus. That's significant to me because those traditional norms would say that on the eighth day he would be, he would be circumcised, Jesus would be circumcised, and the father, the father, the dad, would give him that name. And why is that significant? What's well, significant because uh, <clears throat> to me, to me, this is like God saying, hey, listen, I know that hurts. I know, think about this. This woman that he was engaged to marry is pregnant. And let's think about that in our context, not in this holy spiritual realm of things. Let's think about what that would be like. I'm engaged this woman, okay? And, and let, let's take it a step further and let's eisegete just a little bit. He, he, he has feelings and affections for this woman. He's building this home that he's gonna do life together. And all of that is out the window in a moment. All of it. And he has to make a decision. Is he going to just quietly divorce her? Or is he going to have her stoned to death? And, and, and you can imagine that that's not a pretty thing. I'm, I'm glad we live in this time where, man, it's not, we're not out stoning people. That would be, be, I can't imagine what that would be like. Awful. Now, again, this is in, in my heart, uh, like God saying, listen, I'm sorry, I know that hurt. I know that hurt. I know that was deep. And, and, and listen, I, I, I apologize. Now you got some stuff in you. You got some stuff in you that I needed to draw to the surface, okay? I needed to test you a little bit. And listen, I have a task. I have a task that I cannot give to just anyone. This is important. This is important stuff, okay? Listen, this is what I need you to do. I need you to stand in for me. I need you to raise this young man, right? What does God say about Jesus? He's the on, my only begotten son in whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. That's what God says about Jesus, right? So he's telling Joseph, listen, and, and again, it doesn't say that, but this is what that says to me. You shall call him, you name him. I need you for this task. Now, God doesn't need anyone, okay? But let's take a, let's take a step back and think about how uh, Abraham is called a friend of God. Well, I think part of that is because, yes, Abraham was obedient. But the other part of that, I think, is that, that because God gave Abraham some insight, right? Hey, listen, your only son that I promised redemption to it, or not redemption to a nation, but a nation would be built out of, okay? The, the son I gave you in a miraculous way in your old age, I need, you to, I need you to sacrifice him. I need you to lay his life down. You got some stuff in you that I need to see rise to the surface. There needs to be some refining that takes place through this trial, and I need you to do it, right? And so Abraham was able to understand to some degree, right, what God was gonna do with his only son. And I think that that's a friend, that, or that's my interpretation, Right? I know that there's been times where, where I've called Joseph with something. He's a good friend of mine. And I know there's times where Joseph's called me with things. I'm a good friend of his. 
And we've confided in one another. But I can sympathize because I'm doing life together. I understand this man and his heart and where he's coming from. Now, God knew Joseph. He didn't pick some guy that was hard and rude and mean and cruel. He didn't do that. He picked a man that was capable of performing a task that is vitally important. We're talking about the savior of the world, folks. It's huge. It's huge. And, and the thing is, is that we don't, there isn't much about Joseph in the scripture per se, right? But there actually is. If we, if we read into that, what, is, what do these things mean? And, and so that, that's the only thing that I've tried to accomplish uh, this morning. So Joseph would get all of the joys, all of the glories, all of the responsibilities of raising, raising the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, raising that young man. Now, I will say this. Uh, I think Joseph got a good end of the deal. You know, being a parent is hard, right? Being a step-parent is rough. There are parts of that that... Uh, if you haven't done it or you don't know people that live in that, you just can't even begin to understand. It's difficult. There are added challenges to that. Um, but I'm going to say that I think Joseph got a, the best in the deal, right? Jesus, right? Like, you know, as he's 12 and they're in, you know, in, in Jerusalem and he, he stays at the temple. That's like the worst of it. Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? I mean, I stayed. I wanted to study, right? Like who, who of us would be pleased? Hey, you know, if my kid was like, oh, I want to actually get my homework done and uh, do it without having to be told 87 times, I would be overjoyed. I'd be like, that's fantastic. Good deal, man. Um, I digress. Again, it would be silly of us uh, to think that God would have just any old guy take care of this task of raising his only begotten son, the savior of the world. We would be foolish to think that. What we understand uh, in those, bre- in, I mean, in, in those, uh, I was going to do some math. I'm not going to do that. It's like five or six verses, right? Anyway, <clears throat> what we understand from that is that, that Joseph is just, that he's righteous, that he's faithful, that he's obedient, that he's humble, that he's reverent, um, he's compassionate, and he trusts God. We, we, all of those things, and that's why I say, man, I could spend two weeks on this because all of those things are very real, very apparent, and there are implications to those things, but we don't have time. So, uh, but as the story goes on, what we understand about Joseph uh, is that he's a protector. He's a provider, right? We understand that because uh, the angel of the Lord comes back to Joseph and says, hey, listen, Herod is going, he, he is out to kill the Messiah, Right? He's out to do that. You need to flee to Egypt. And so he does that. He's obedient and he protects what God has entrusted him to protect. We know that, that Joseph is a spiritual leader. We know that because at the age of 12, they go to Jerusalem. Now listen, there, there are a the couple of holidays and I'm not trying to get off track here, uh, but where everyone in the nation of Israel was, was called to go to Jerusalem. Now we know that at, at very least, Passover was the one that they said, hey, listen, if you can't make the others, you gotta make this one. Kind of like, you know, how parents say, we gotta come home for Christmas, you know. I don't care about any other holidays. You gotta make it home for Christmas. Um, it would be similar, right? Is, is that's the big one. And we know that he did that. He led his family in that. 
So we know that he's a spiritual leader. We know that he's reverent before the Lord. And those, those are important things. He took that responsibility seriously. All right, I'm closing here. I'm gonna wrap it up. <clears throat> okay, so why is this scandalous? I have no idea. No, uh, I think it's because Jesus had every right, or not Jesus, I'm sorry, Joseph had every right to be angry. And in the, in the eyes of people, he was justified. He was absolutely justified. Because it doesn't tell us that the angel of the Lord went to Mary's parents and the angel of the Lord went to Joseph's parents and, and the whole community and let them know, hey, listen, I, I know that's weird that there's a young gal, she's pregnant, they weren't together, but hey, it's cool. We, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. So he had every right by human standard. But the whole, the whole story is that of of a scandalous reconciliation. God reconciled his people and he used, used these situations that, that we would look at and say, man, that's, that's odd. That's odd. But the reconciliation is something too that we have to do, right? This is the deal, is that we're in this season and in every year. And I think that, you know, even, even, you know, the Jewish calendar is set up in this way where, you know, there's these activities and these things, these opportunities to, to look back at God, right? Like the Passover. There, there was, that was for a reason, that they could recall all the things that God had pulled them out of and where he, he led them and, and all those things, right, to recall. So we're in this season now where, uh, you know, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of maybe some struggling relationships, we're in this time of year where, where it's, it's difficult for people that we know. There's that constant reminder, and, and this is that time of year where we're reminded of, of maybe some failures or maybe some loss, maybe some, some heartache uh, that we have. And, and we have to be obedient to reconcile those. And that does not come, as we see from this story, that doesn't come on our own. Joseph was resolved to divorce Mary. But that reconciliation came from God. To, he was able to reconcile. He was able to reconcile with Mary that, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to take you. I'm going to be obedient. But he's a man. And, and, and I'm thinking in my mind, like, am, I'm wondering as, as you know, they, they do the census, right? And so they got to travel to Bethlehem. And I, I think that that's, you know, the walk was like 33 hours. Is he thinking on that walk, like, man, is this really happening? Is she really pregnant with, with the, is it from the spirit or is this, is this something foul going on here? But he had to reconcile that in his own heart. Just as we are in this season, we have to reconcile some things in our own hearts. And, and that's challenging and that's, that's hard work. The thing that we need to understand too is that, that our character is not based on other people's actions. It's not based on it. Now listen, that's when it's magnified that's when it's brought to light our character, right? Someone, someone does us wrong, whether it's a family member or not. We have to reconcile that. Our responsibility is not dependent upon anyone else, right? On no one else. Um, I'm so sorry. 
I, I wish it was like a clock up there where I could, or like it's like running down, and it says, hey, listen, you're getting close. It starts blinking, flashing the light. Okay, I'm going to close with this <clears throat> because, I, because this is important. Uh, our responsibility, and, and this is sort of a uh, side note. So in, in Philippians 3, uh, it talks about, you know, uh, Paul is, is writing, and he's saying, listen, if anybody's got reason to boast, I'm the one. And he goes through this whole list of things of the reasons that he's righteous and all that. And he says, listen, I consider it all loss. It doesn't even matter to this passing knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, listen, it's not that I've already arrived. I'm not there yet. You know, but what, one thing I do, um, Thirteen, verse 13, chapter 3. It says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the pri- for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Uh, let those of us who are mature think this way. Uh, and if anything, you th- if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also but verse 16 only let us hold true to what we have attained we have a responsibility god is calling us to things he's calling us to to leave behind what is behind and that's what joseph did right he left it behind he said listen the way that all that played out wasn't great god i think you could have maybe give me a little forewarning we could have been having a conversation something like that but that's not what happened That's not what scripture tells us. And so all that devastation, all that stuff, he reconciled that through the spirit of God and said, okay, I'm gonna take her as my wife. I'm gonna be the man that you are calling me to be. And my character isn't gonna be based on these situations, what people say, none of that stuff. It's gonna be based on my responsibility. And that's what Paul's telling us. Listen, if you're not there yet, that's fine. Live up to what you know. We sit in here Sunday after Sunday being taught wonderful things from the very word of God. Let's live up to it. Live up to what you know. All right, I'm gonna close. That's it. Father God, thank you so much for, uh, again, this opportunity to share your word, Lord. Thank you uh, for your redemption story. God, I thank you for for loving us that much. God, that's awesome. Um, I pray that you were glorified today, and, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Uh, I